Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for an opportunity to meet like this. Thank you for this service. Thank you because we started with you. Thank you because we finished with you. Thank you because the word would educate, would help, would improve us. Thank you for the testimonies we heard. Thank you because there will be even more testimonies. Thank you for the assurance of tomorrow. And now our hearts and minds are open to hear your word. And we receive it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Alright. So this is my proper debut speaking moment, isn't it? Because I didn't preach throughout the month of May, quite through July or June rather. And now we're finally here. And some people have been expected. Right? Of that. I actually really like this. It's a very cool, very cool addition. <laughs> it's very cool, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. So debtors to the spirit is my subject. So if you have your notes, anything, debtors to the spirit. That's where we're going. Debtors to the spirit. Last week, Brits came with the word on the Holy Spirit and main character energy. But now we're on debtors to the spirit. Debtors to the spirit. After my break, the Lord, I told you, gave me a very simple instruction. And it was to take us to the next level of revelation in Him. And when there's an increase in revelation, there's an increase in the fruit of your relationship with God. The more you know a person, the more you know, you know, an individual or any, anything you're relating with really, the better you will be, you know, with that thing. The more your experience, the deeper your experience with that thing. Okay? So I'm heeding that instruction. I'd like to read to you from Romans chapter 8, from verse 11. And I want you to see it. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. It says, But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Verse 11. Therefore, brethren, we are not debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Right? For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. The mark of our sonship, what consummates that we are children of God, is receiving the Holy Spirit. Receiving the Holy Spirit is very critical to, oh, are you a child of God? How do we know? He's the seal of our sonship. He's the trademark of our sonship or childrenhood, if you like. Okay? Actually, said children, not childhood. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, he's the, he's the seal of that. He's the one that makes sonship real. Without the Holy Spirit, we are not children of God. All right? Romans chapter 8, verse 9. He says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. It simply means that you don't belong to God if you don't have the Holy Spirit. It's very strong communication. You see? So, the Holy Spirit is important. He's the seal of our sonship, like I said. The seal of our sonship. Let's see 15 to 17. It says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. 
and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Right? When Jesus was baptized in the book of Matthew chapter 3, something happened. John the Baptist lived most of his life in the wilderness. He was born, he was a child of promise, he was a prophet, but lived most of his life in the wilderness. And he said that he would be sent again into the city when the Messiah is born, because he was the one to lead the way for Jesus to come through. Right? So he's busy baptizing now in the wilderness, and then he sees Jesus come. And the Bible says that he recognizes him. Right? Mind you, John Baptist is Jesus' cousin. Very interesting. But recognizes him. And interestingly, John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit by Jesus. As a child, let's explain that. Mary, right, received seed of the Holy Spirit. Right? Jesus was born. And the Bible says that when Mary came to Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mother, while um, she was also pregnant, because they were born right around the same time. The Bible says that in her belly, John the Baptist leaped for joy, just like how we would describe, you know, a baby kicking, right? And that's how she was filled with the Holy Spirit. So that's how John Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was executing ministry even before he came oh. out of his mother's womb. Very interesting. So John the Baptist, by the Spirit being a prophet, recognizes Jesus on the way, and something happens. Let's, let's see the story. Matthew chapter 3. Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter 3. And I'm reading to you from, I don't want to read a long portion. He's preaching from verse 11. John Baptist says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me, he's talking about Jesus, is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. See, he knew that he was the one that could baptize like this. He says, his winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. He just finished giving a sermon saying how that this person that's coming is greater than me. Why would he be coming to be baptized by me? Okay, so then Jesus came from Galilee to John to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you are coming to me. He understood the hierarchy. He says, but Jesus said unto him, Permit it to be so for now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. One thing that was significant of baptism was it's something done for sinners. Sinners get baptized. Okay? Because it's kind of like they are saying, okay, I want to be saved. Okay? Now, he says, when he had baptized Jesus, as Jesus came up immediately from the water, behold, the heavens were opened. Alright? To him. Very interesting. The heavens were opened to him. They opened to Jesus. Yeah. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. Now, this, this issue of every time we're using doves, 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 doves in Christianity, you see some people, they write a book on the Holy Spirit, they put a dove in the picture and everything. It's very wrong, actually. Okay? The reason is, God said, never liken me to any of the creatures I've created. But he says, he alighted on him like a dove. So meaning in the trajectory of a dove, the way a dove will come down, the, you know, the trajectory, literally trajectory, the way he will descend, carefully. Okay? And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. 
And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. How did he know that? The Holy Spirit bears witness that that's his son. Right? Who has come to something. Another occasion where this happened was on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is where um, Jesus took the disciples. Okay? And they were transfigured before him. That's they were, he was changed before them. So they saw his heavenly glory. I'll read that to you from the book of Luke, chapter 9. Church's Bible study left. So if you don't open your Bible, you can not read it. Luke chapter 9, from verse 28. Now it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that he, Jesus, took Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered, and his robe became white and glistening. And behold, two men talked with him, who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his disease, his death, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and those other ones, they were sleepy, blah, blah, blah. We go on. Verse 34 says, While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were fearful as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying the same thing, This is my beloved son. Hear him. When the voice had ceased, Jesus was found alone. But they kept quiet and told no one of these things. The point is, I just want to see, show you how the Holy Spirit always backs up his children. Always comes to confirm, do you understand? That this is my son. This is the one I have sent. You understand? So, he's a seal of our sonship. Remember, I'm talking about debtors to the Spirit. So, I'm just giving you context behind all of this. Alright? So, the Holy Spirit is the one responsible for putting you into the body of Christ. When we say, okay, who wants to be saved? And then somebody raised their hand, you know, and they come forward and we say, repeat this prayer after me. When that person says that prayer, it's not just the prayer that makes them saved. But it's what happens as a result of that prayer. In the prayer of salvation, we say, um, Oh Lord God, I believe that Jesus died for me and that he was raised so that I will be set free. Right? And now I confess him as the Lord of my life. When you say that, the Holy Spirit carries you, takes you, right? And baptizes you into the body of Christ. You become one with him. You understand? You become one with him. That's what makes you saved. So it's like you've accepted that whatever Jesus did on the cross, he did for you. The death you were meant to die. Remember, he didn't just die. You know, we've always heard this story, but it's very logical, okay? He didn't just die because he felt like dying. He didn't just die because, oh, nothing. No. When, when we do wrong, all right, the reward for wrong is death. It's like judgment. Even in our world today, we have uh, laws, okay? And whenever you do something wrong, there's a, there's, a, there's a reward for it. The same way with God. You see, we get these ideas from God. Adam sinned in the garden. He was kicked out of the garden. He lost his relationship with God. Do you understand? So there's always a judgment. Now, it's not the will of God that anybody should perish. So what does God do? He sends someone to die, to take the punishment that you are meant to take for your sin. When you say the prayer of salvation, you are saying that I accept that that sacrifice was for me. If somebody wanted to shoot you, and somebody took the bullet for you, are you alive or dead? You're alive. Meanwhile, that guy is going to die. Point is, he gave his life for yours, meaning you're not meant to be hit by that bullet anymore. So that was the idea. He took the penalty. So he went to hell for you. 
it's important. Some will think he just died. End of story. No, he died, right? And like one who had sin on him, he went to hell. Like he was judged, sentenced to hell, right? On your behalf. And it is why nobody's meant to go to hell. Because he already went for them. What's remaining is for us to join the Lord in the air, which we read about in the, in the rhapsody, the rapture of the church, right? When we're taken to heaven, judgment comes upon the world for those who are still in sin. And then after that, we return again. There will be a new heaven and a new earth, and we're going to see more of it. Okay? But I'm just giving you context for all of that. So, when one says that prayer of salvation is the Holy Spirit that baptizes, I'll show you that scripture real quick. It's important that you just have the, the verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. It tells us that for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. But today, I want to talk about debtors to the spirit. So what I just did for you there is just to explain how the spirit of God is important to sonship, all right, or to being a child of God and his role in that. So Romans chapter 8, from verse 11 to 13, i read that to you. He says, but if the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, the Holy Spirit was the one who raised Jesus from the dead. He says, if that spirit lives in you, he that raised Christ from the dead shall also, by that same spirit, by the same power with which he raised Christ from the dead, give life to your mortal body. This is usually the connection that's missing when a Christian is sick and they don't know what to do. Alright? They are sick and they are begging God for healing. But God is actually saying that the healing is in the Spirit of God. It's in the same power that was raised, used to raise Christ from the dead. So what happens when you are afflicted with sickness? When there's a problem? It's about being filled with the Spirit. You can be a child of God who has received the Holy Spirit but not live filled with Him. Never have that experience of being filled with Him. Jesus said something. You know, the Spirit of that's what's very interesting. The Spirit of God can be present in a place and bad things are still happening. You know, some people say, if God is so, if God is he's real and this is this, 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 how can this one happen? How can this one happen? The presence of God is not the assurance of no trouble. Even Jesus being in the boat, are you aware that there was a storm while mm -hmm. the disciples were in the boat with Jesus? There will still be problems. It's not because God is present that, oh, everything will just, you know, everything will just be good. It doesn't work that way. Jesus was sleeping in the boat and there were still storms. Mm -hmm. The disciples were afraid that the water would overtake the boat and they would all perish. So they cried out to Jesus and said, Master, we are perishing. Mm -hmm. We're dying, Lord. And then he said, why are you so fearful? Oh, you have little faith. Ooh. All right? He stood up and then he rebuked the winds and the waves. Mm -hmm. He said, peace be still. And the Bible says that the waves calmed. Point is, it takes action. You understand? Mm -hmm. It takes God doing something. Takes you doing something, right? And then the disciples wondered about him from that day, saying, What kind of man is this that even the winds and waves obey him? These are things that happen, okay? So, talking on that spirit, he says, If the spirit that raised up Christ from the dead lives in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken, give life to your mortal body. So, when you're sick, when there's headache, when there's something, what should you do? You should try to get filled with the spirit. And he tells us how, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Okay? As you communicate that to yourself, you start to meditate on the scriptures. You can meditate on this. If the spirit, if the spirit, 
You're focusing and meditating on the spirit like this. And then you're also speaking in tongues. Because he says that that's how you activate the power of the Holy Spirit. Something will be happening within your body. Because remember, the life of God is in your spirit. But it may not manifest in this physical body. But through prayer, you can bring it out. Alright? To manifest in this earthly realm. But all these, we're just, uh, we're just dancing around. Okay? He will also give life to your mother body. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Very interesting. If you say that we are not debtors to the flesh, who are we debtors to then? If people want to know how, how Revelation comes about or how we can study the Bible and how it's going to preach, it's literally there. I wish we could project the scriptures for you that it's just that the app was uh, being funny. So you would, have been, you would have been able to see exactly what I'm showing you. But it says, we are not debtors to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you will die. But if you, through the spirit, put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The point is that as Christians, we are debtors to the spirit. And this is a critical subject, which many have not understood yet. But we are debtors to the spirit. What does it mean to be a debtor to the spirit? What does it mean to be a debtor? Or to be indebted to somebody? Who knows? Anything about debt? Ego. Everybody should know like, something about debt, right? <laughs> what does it mean to be indebted to someone? Yeah. It means? It means you owe them. So if we're debtors to the spirit, what does it mean? We owe the spirit. We owe the spirit. He gave us something. Mm -hmm. What did he give us? He says, we're not debtors to the flesh to live according to the flesh. He says, if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. Mm -hmm. But if you, by the spirit, put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Mm -hmm. So we owe the spirit something. And it's dependent on what he gave. If I give you two thousand pounds, I'm not gonna make jokes about five hundred more. Two thousand. <laughs> if I give you two thousand pounds, and you're meant to pay back, so this is a loan, all right? Not not gifts. <laughs> if I give you two thousand pounds, what am I expecting back? Two thousand pounds. Ah, is a math failing. There's no plus or minus in that. Okay. So owe me two thousand. Point is, if I give you money, you owe me money. Mm. You understand? So if I give you life, what do you owe me? Life. Period. So when we say we're debtors to the Spirit, it's about finding out what did the Spirit give first. He sent His Son mm -hmm. to die, mm -hmm. to take the bullet for us, to take death for us. What do we owe Him back? Life. Mm -hmm. But here's the best part. It's not a case where he now says, okay, so since my son gave life for you, can you kill yourself? <laughs> kill yourself for me. Mm -hmm. The way it translates for him is like, live for me. Oh. Live for me. That's what he's saying. Second Corinthians chapter 5. I want you to see it. Second Corinthians chapter 5. And I'm reading to you from verse 12. For we do not commend ourselves again to you but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf. Verse 13, for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Verse 14, for the love of Christ compels us because we judge it like this. The love of Christ compels us, I want you to see it. The love of Christ compels us because we judge it this way. That if one died for all, then all died. If, if we go you know, to eat, to drink, to do anything, all right, and 
the person comes with a bill, okay? And you say it's how much money now? Let's say 200 pounds for this meal that we just eaten. Okay? Wash this eat. I know this place has worse. But 200 pounds. And somebody walks in to that restaurant or that place, sees our table and just says, I feel like blessing you today, you know, and pays the 200. Have you all paid or you've not paid? If somebody pays the tab for you, have you paid or have you not paid? It's paid. We paid. Would it be, how did we pay, right? How did we pay? Because that person paid. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what Christ did. If he died for all, then all died. Mm. Mm. That's the reasoning here. So he says, we first judge that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. This is how the subject of death came. I remember last time, or one time, we talked about prayer death, right? Mm -hmm. We said how your prayer bank could be a minus. <laughs> and that's why there are problems. The same way. This is a, a, a bigger concept. And it's about being in debt to the spirit. Imagine owing God life. What's it like? We owe him a life. Who do we live for? What does it mean to be indebted? It means to owe. And we owe the spirit life. So what's the life or the heart of one who's indebted to God? It means to be predisposed to his plans. Predisposed. You know what means to be predisposed to something? A thief. Let me explain something. A thief enters a place, right? And he just sees a phone. By the way, I've had my phone stolen in church before. Isn't that very interesting? Mm -mm. I was just so shocking. I was just serious. <laughs> my phone was just here. I was behind. I wasn't here. Don't worry. I just put my phone behind. We were all watching the Lord. For some reason, I just kept looking at my phone. I just felt like. And what's worse is that it's not even like a phone that I had for myself. It was a phone I planned to give to some little boy oh, no. who is dad. You know, I was not buying anything for him or giving him anything. So I said I'll, I'll donate my tablet actually to him. Okay? And so my phone is and I was just worshipping, worshipping, and for some reason I'll just turn back every time, you know. Wondering, you know, you have like suspicious feeling. Just tell me. And then no, we're just worshiping. Maybe when the spirit now really hit me, you know. We're just worshiping like that. Next thing I was like, turn back, I didn't see the phone again. I went to the back of the technical stand. I said, yo, somebody's taking my phone. They now told me that, oh, there was some guy. He was just walking like this and then he, you know, he came to the channel and just said that he wanted to use the toilet. You know, I'm from there, man. The guy is, you know, stolen. Anyway, that's the point. But no, no, that is with the point. So the point is, when you're predisposed to something, right? It means you do this thing without. It's just your predisposition, what you are given to naturally. So a thief is naturally given to stealing. They think to steal before they think to leave with a person. If a thief sees a nice item, his mind is just to take it. It's not about anything, it's just his predisposition. He's indebted to Stephen. It is part of him. Now, when you're indebted to God, I said you're predisposed to him. You're predisposed to his plans, predisposed to what he cares about. And you see, because it's life we're paying back, it means the totality of your being. It means everything about you is about him. 
every desire you have, every thought you have, every like all your decisions are regulated by your love for him. That's predisposition. That's being indebted to God. And why did God bring this subject? It's because too many people are living for themselves. They're living for themselves and they don't realize. It's why in the book of Revelation, Jesus said, come back to your first love. Come back to the first things you used to do. When you were first born again, when you first heard the message of salvation, those things you used to do, you used to love to pray, you used to love to worship God. You found yourself, maybe as a young one, you found yourself worshiping God on your own, or you found yourself just having this expression, some, there are some things you love to do. Maybe you've never known it too. The point is predisposition to God, indebtedness to God, is a reflection that God, I acknowledge your sacrifice. I acknowledge what you did for me. So all my efforts will be towards you. All right? So people are chasing goals that God never gave them. And the thing is, when you are owing God, how can you escape judgment from it? Hmm? And it's really with interest as well. Because the longer you have, right, the more he expects back. The one he gave 15 years and the one he gave 30, who do you think he's expecting more from? The one he gave 30, the longer you live, the more you should even live there. You see? Expectation. And indebtedness to God is in twofold. The first place of indebtedness to God is in life, is in knowing him and loving him in everything. And then the second place is in purpose. Indebtedness to God. If you are on this earth, you are relevant to something. Something of God. He has a plan for you and yours is to discover it. I said the first one is in knowing him, loving him in everything. That's a reflection of indebtedness. When you say something is your life, something is your culture, for example, come to church on Sunday. It's your culture. It's your culture. It's just, it's something you do. As big as Jesus was, the Bible says every time there was a feast in Jerusalem, he would go. Are we aware? He, he was very much God. Why would he be so, he should even have started his own church or something. So I said, hey, come to me. I'm the one sent, I was the one sent from heaven. I don't know why you guys are going to call this priest then. He went to every feast. I was surprised. He says, as was his custom. He had to humble himself to the system that he was in. Indebtedness to God. And then the second thing is purpose. So the lifestyle you lead, or you lead, and purpose. Fulfillment. Being born for something. Romans chapter... Oh, mm -mm. Chapter 6. And I'll read verse 5. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death had no dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died unto sin once for all. 
But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, he says, reckon. The word reckon means account in your mind that you are dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. He says, don't allow sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present your body to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments for the righteousness of God. For sin shall not have dominion under you. You are not under the law, but under grace. Under grace. Many people don't know what grace is. You know, every time we think about grace, we always think about um, freedom, good, good heart, good attitude. Like, yes, it's God's grace. God's, God's grace that we're living. God's grace that we're. But grace is also God's divine influence. It's the tug He has on your heart. It's the way He persuades you about life. See, and when that grace is active, it's working in your heart. It's working in your heart, and it pushes you to do certain things. His grace at work, His grace in action. It pushes you to do certain things. So the real question is, when we talk about indebtedness, what is your life like? Does it reflect indebtedness? Does it reflect one that feels tired or connected to God? Like they owe God a life? Oh God, a lifestyle? That he took the bullet for me? That he went to hell for me? So am I living to go where he has gone so that I don't go? Am I rendering a sacrifice of non-effect? And a lot of times when we're prosperous and doing well, we find people living for themselves, serving God the way they have chosen to serve him. And not how he saves in his word. But the thing is, when are we going to take God seriously? Let me show you another thing. Second Corinthians chapter 5, from verse 1. He says, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we grow, earnestly desiring to be clothed with the habitation from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. It's so hard to, to see all this. You can't see it on the screen. But just try to follow me, okay? For we are in this tent, for we who are in this tent grow, being burdened, not because we want to be clothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up in life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. The Spirit was given as a guarantee that we will make it, okay? So we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. While we are on this earth, we are absent from the Lord. Okay? For we walk by faith and not by sight, he says. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with, with the Lord. He says we would rather be in heaven, we would rather be with God than to be on this earth. Right? Absent from the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present with the Lord or absent, to be well pleasing to him. Yes, it is. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. He says there's going to be reward for it. There's going to be, you know, a, a judgment for it. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are well known to God, and also trust are well known in your consciences. This is one of the only places in the Bible where it talks about persuading people concerning God and salvation. He says, knowing the terror of God, we persuade men. 
We literally beg them. We find incentive for them. We say, is it pizza you want? We'll feed you the pizza. Just be saved. <laughs> Just be saved. Is it, what do you want? <laughs> is it to play? Is it to play with you? To go on, okay, what, what is it? We're persuading them. We're finding ways. He says, know the terror of the Lord. Remember, what is it like to owe God? You know, some people, you block and delete. Yeah, well, you can't block and delete God. Mm. Block and delete. What do you owe him? Just, just block them. You won't give them that money back. You won't give them nothing back. But God, who is seeing you every day, watching you every day, how are you going to pay back? How are you going to pay back? He says, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, we beg men. For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf, that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. Alright? I don't want to finish all of that. Let me go to 16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have no Christ according to the flesh. Yet know we no longer him like that. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. I just wish I could, you know, expand, expand, expand. But he says, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Hebrews chapter 10. I'm just going to be reading some verses because the verses are going to preach what I'm preaching. Hebrews chapter 10. Alright? And I'm reading to you from verse 22. He says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. He says, as we see Christ coming, let us draw with a pure heart, having our hearts sprinkled with pure water. Alright? From an evil conscience, with the blood, from an evil conscience, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. You know, this message really is one to bring us back to seriousness with God. Indebtedness to the Spirit. Does your life reflect it? Like you owe God your life? Like you're meant to live for Him? He says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves, as is the manner of some. Meaning, even in Paul's day, there are people that refuse the message, refuse to come to church, refuse to, you know, grow in Christ. Verse 26, and this is where it gets interesting. He says, if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth. I like King James. This is me, King James, I'm reading. It's not doing <laughs> Alright? He says, if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for saints, but a certain fearful looking for, looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He says, if we keep sinning willfully, if we keep living wrong, he says, there's no more sacrifice. All we're looking forward to then is judgment. A certain fiery and fearsome judgment, which shall devour the adversaries. Why adversaries? Because these people have become enemies of God. That's why they reject salvation. You put yourself as God's hope. 
and doesn't need a shank to get it wet. He <laughs> says, but a certain fearful looking forward of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy, one or two or three witnesses. Of how much sorrow punishment, suppose he, shall he be thought worthy, who has trodden underfoot the Son of God, and had counted the blood of, of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified, an unholy thing, and had done despite unto the Spirit of grace. He says that when people reject the gospel, when they throw down this thing called salvation, he says it's like carrying, it's like putting the Son of God here and stepping on him. It's like rubbing him dirty, like he's just going, you know, just moving. Trampling him underfoot. He says, people in Moses' time died under two or three witnesses. Of how much sorrow punishment, suppose he, those who trample underfoot the Son of God, and have counted the blood of his covenant unsanctified, an unholy thing. You know, some people have said some very blasphemous things about God. He says, how much worse would it be for them? For we know him that had said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. That's what comes in. I will recompense, said the Lord. Imagine. Let me put it. He says, Vengeance belongs to me. I shall give him back. That's what God has said. We need to take advantage of this period of grace very nicely. Because it's like God is not like human beings that love today and hate tomorrow. No. He, has, he, he works in time frame. This is my love period. If you keep messing up if you want. But it is when I change my mood, better be ready to dance the tango. Okay? Hmm? He says, For we know him that said, Vengeance belongs to me, and I will recompense, said the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. He says, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But call to remembrance the former days in which, after you were illuminated, after you knew the gospel, he says, you endured a great fight of afflictions. Some people, when they first received the gospel, it didn't matter who, who said that they were not Christians, who said that, you know, that uh, your, your Christianity is a waste. They, they endured from those who judged them against their Christianity, from those who didn't like them. It, don't, it didn't matter. He says, return to that thing. He says, partly, you were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions. He says, you lost people, you lost friends, you lost associations. You were made a fool. And partly, once you became companions of them that were so used. For you had compassion of me in my bonds. He's talking, talking personally. And took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. He says, you suffered afflictions. You lost things for this hope of the gospel. Okay? People owed, but you left it. You said that in heaven you have something better. He says, cast not away therefore your confidence, which had a great recompense of reward. You know one thing about me? No matter how I live, I just believe God is seeing. God is seeing my effort. God is seeing and he will recompense. He's not like man who can forget that you did something for them. The Bible says there's books of remembrance. Every time you came to church, when you, you didn't feel like it, every time you still prayed for that person, every time you still reached out to that person, every time you made a call, every time you followed up. Sometimes I'm typing, doing online evangelism, and it's like, hey, my fingers. You know, you talk to so many people. You're monitoring so many relationships. Like, but he says that don't think that God will forget it. He says he is not forgetful of your labor of love for him. Your labor, labor. You know what labor of love is? No, he say a woman enters labor. Is it the same thing as just working? Labor, labor pains. 
He understands when it's thick like that, when it's, when it's disturbing like that. He says that you will receive, you will receive. He says, cast not away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he shall come, and will not tarry. That's Jesus to come. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. He says, one of them that draw back, who are these? Those that give up. Those that lose heart. They try, they see, they don't work, they go back. He says, for we are not of them who draw back unto perdition. He says, they're going to die, they're going to be judged. But of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Them that believe. So I tell you that our life is not ours. We are bought with a price. First Corinthians chapter 6 tells us that we are bought with a price. He says, glorify God in your body, which is God's own. Glorify God with your soul. He says, we're bought with a price. Our life is not our own. This is how he sees those who don't conform. We read that long portion. How does he see them? He says, a sore punishment is coming for them. Who have trodden underfoot the Son of God and have done despite unto the Spirit of grace. They've done grace like this. They told, they told the Holy Spirit like this. You can go. We don't need this salvation. He says, of how much sorrow punishment? Remember what Christ talking about it. It was like when he reads the scriptures and just sees how bad the judgment will be for those, he just begins to weep. He weeps and prays for them. You're going to feel the emotion. I remember one time we were taking communion. You were not with me at the time, I just wanted to. But we're taking communion. And I'll never forget that experience. As we took the bread, I held it like this. I broke it. I took it. And I think we are just, we're just about to take the cup. But as we're praying, just having taken the bread, something happened to me. As soon as I did that, in the spirit, but I could feel it like it was in my natural body. I just felt something going like this. It was literally like I felt exactly what he felt. Of course, you can never, you know, fully put it except somebody did it like that. But literally, it was just like the spear that he thrust inside. And we were in that service, and I began to weep. I'll never forget it. But it was like, you see, when we break that bread, we're doing it in remembrance of him. But the Spirit at that time just wanted to give me a picture of what it was really like and remind me that this is real. He really took that for us. His body was broken. If you read the Psalms, the Messianic Psalms, he says, my, all my bones are out of joint. Do you know how much they did to him? All my bones are out of joint. felt that. He did that for the world. We're indebted to the Spirit. Question, what is your life like? What is your life like? Are you indebted to the Spirit? Are you indebted to the one who gave his all? Not just in songs, not just in lips. Sometimes we sing songs. You know, it's very easy to get lost in songs. Lord, I love you with everything within me. You're, you're enjoying the everything. It's the melody of the song. You're not even thinking about what you're saying. 
But sometimes you need to think. I want to know you more. After you say that, go and start reading your Bible. <laughs> Why do people do you love your song? I'll do anything, anything for you. Okay, after that time, the Holy Spirit does speak to you because he doesn't need tomorrow to start testing it. He speaks to you, say, hey, that woman that just, you know, that you just passed, go back and back up the person. You say, ah, Lord, I've already gone. We are not going to draw back. <laughs> I was walking with the fan one time, and uh, that's how Miss Daphne got saved. We are about to pass her. And I just stopped to defend her. We were holding all the, all the equipment and stuff. There was enough reason. And I said, Fena, the Holy Spirit sent me to go and talk to that lady. We just stopped there. I didn't think, you see, I've learned this thing. You don't even think. Don't think, don't think contemplate. What would you say? I just walked. I just walked up to her. I said, hi. She said, hi. Ah. Yeah, this is this. And I helped her, you know, to put her dustbin thing away. This is an elderly lady. I feel special compassion for them because there's nothing worse than a good person going to hell. Mm. Mm. It's different when the person chose. Mm -hmm. But a good person, they have no this is they have no view on Christianity or anything. Like, they're just there, they're just good people genuinely going. So I felt compassion and I just said, Yeah, do you believe in God? We go to each other, all of that. She a few things and she prayed that prayer. She's wow. elderly. If she goes tomorrow, I'm happy. Wow. My heart is calm. Unlike mm -hmm. that, I left her. Mm -hmm. Do we realize that we hold the power of people to go to heaven or hell? Mm. When you see how big that is, that by you introducing the gospel to somebody, they can either go to heaven or hell. By you just sharing that, you know what? Jesus died for you. You don't have to live like this. You are literally determining somebody's destiny, somebody's eternal destiny. He says, seeing we have we, we receive this ministry, we faint not. We faint not. We don't give, we don't give up. Souls should be our number one thing. Indebtedness to the spirit means being predisposed to this thing. That all your moves are calculated towards how does this kingdom move forward by this next one? But it's the next move I'm about to make. Some people just move to a city. It's a more prosperous job. Is there a church there? Mm. Some people just, you just take up something. Does it affect your indebtedness to the spirit? Does it affect the life that you owe him? How are you going to continue living for him by this next thing? You know how in business we consider many things. This is one of the first things. How does it affect my relationship with God? This next life, this next job offer, this next, this next promotion, as they call it. Every promotion that denies God is dangerous. I'd rather be if, listen, if, in the name of making Forbes list, I'd rather be a millionaire than a billionaire if it takes me away from God. What I'm saying is, some people have not have clocked it. But I'm serious. Mm. I'd rather be a thousand, thousand in, than a millionaire if it takes me away from you. That's indebtedness to the spirit. Mm -hmm. mm. I would rather be behind mm -hmm. 
And this one, many have not grown. You do what is popular. You do what is, oh, God wants you to be ahead. You convince yourself against your conscience that knows. When we talk about this subject of indebtedness, it goes very deep. He's expecting you to glorify him with your life. The decisions you make. The Holy Spirit will be speaking to people. I said not just in song and lips, but in action and lifestyle. God treats us the way we, we treat his word. He says that he that doesn't treat my word nicely will be lightly esteemed. Actually, he that doesn't reverence me will be lightly esteemed. And he that despises my word will be destroyed. That's what he says. That's how God is. How we treat him and his things. I keep telling people, if you want to prosper, it's very simple. Treat God well. I know we talk about human beings, but it's, it's impossible to, for you to serve God truly and treat other people bad. Treat his house well. Go to church, invest in yourself, invest in reading your Bible. Be a good person in the eyes of God. Each king that had a problem in the Old Testament, find out what was the reward. He says that he did evil according to the sight of the Lord. Then the one that did good, he said, he did good in the eyes of the Lord. He prospered. There was a king, I'm thinking, I'm thinking what his name is, Uzziah. He said that he worked with a prophet who had understanding in the visions of God. He says as long as he pursued God, he prospered. The moment he got wealth, because always knowing God will prosper you, the moment he got wealth and he was comfortable, he started to feel on top of the world, despised God's saints, despised how God was leading him. He felt as a king he could sacrifice. He's forgotten the word of God that says only the Levites can handle this thing. He died from his disobedience. It should be desire. God helped him in wisdom, in different things. He was one of the first that brought out this, the canon technology that is of, that's a, as a, a weapon of war. He had lots of things. The Bible says he had many inventions of engines, of different things. And as long as he sought the visions of the Lord, as long as he stayed with this prophet, he prospered. What are the things that were, that are coming in the way of this indebtedness? We need to find them. So, the closer you get to God, the tighter your life becomes. It's important to see. The tighter your life becomes. Don't be so lost in the freedom of grace that you begin to live life so loose. The closer we get, the tighter life becomes. It's one of the signs that you are growing. You don't go to some places no more. You don't talk to some people no more. You monitor your space. Sometimes people are asking, uh, what, how, how do I know if I'm growing in God? This is one of the things. It shows in your indebtedness, in how susceptible you are to the Spirit of God. You easily choose God over everything. You easily choose to go to church instead of going to this one. How many people, I've seen you, they skip, they skip church for football match. Oh, watch the allies, what? Oh, easily. Oh, this is something so crucial. And the world, and the devil is also very smart. Because when he's organized this world, it's like Sunday is a very, very big match day. Match, match, match is always on Sunday. <laughs> For some odd reason. But these things are things that the devil is using mm -hmm. to just take you away. There was a man, I'm trying to remember his name, his story. But 
He refused to go to church. He was a racer, he was an athlete. But he refused to not go to church because of the race. He skipped that opportunity. Everybody thought he was stupid. The next time he came on the track, he broke a world record for how quickly he did it. You think God doesn't know how to reward his children? There are sacrifices for God that you make. Don't think, okay, it's just this one. This is one Sunday. This is one Sunday. One Sunday. One. And then you go. But there are blessings in those who stay. These are key things I'm telling you. You know, church, it's not always about just encouraging, 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 everybody smiling about hard work. No, no, I'm telling you some things. These are matters of the spirit. Behavior matters. The tighter your life becomes, your life becomes more rigid because you're pressing for more success within. And I'm telling you that this is the word of the Spirit for the hour. And watch, we'll begin to see more judgment for sin, for things that people do wrong. Because the Bible says that he's purging his church, he's purging, he, mm -hmm. he'll thoroughly thresh his floors. Mm -hmm. So things that God was allowed to slide before, they're not sliding anymore. <clears throat> you start to see the results. So what am I saying to you? Don't be caught lacking. How are those who are indebted to the Spirit? Romans chapter 8. Proves that you're indebted to the Spirit. Romans chapter 8. From verse 5 to 9. I read a number of versions of that verse 5. But it says, They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. He says it's the enemy of God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither can it be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. They can't. But you are not in the flesh, but you are in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. He says, the spirit of God living in you already puts you in the spirit. Now, if any man doesn't have the spirit, he's not of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit gives it life because of righteousness. But let's look at that verse 5. And I'll read a number of versions so that you know those who are indebted to the spirit, what are they like? Romans chapter 8, verse 5. In the NIV, the NIV says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. Big cup, big clothes, big this, big that. Everything on this earth is not eternally focused. He says, their minds are set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. They look away from themselves. NLT. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature. You see, you can be a Christian who has the Holy Spirit, therefore in the Spirit, but you have a sinful mind. See, you can be a carnally minded Christian. That's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to show you. Because remember, he said, those that are in the flesh can't please God. He says, but you are not in the flesh, you are in the spirit. In the spirit of God dwells in you. But he gives us a test for it. He says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, think about sinful things. Mm. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Holy Spirit. Mm. You are not your own law. And nowadays, you see, that's why it's not good, I'm, and I have to say it, to base your Christianity off a celebrity. Celebrities do a lot of things on the ground. They do a lot of things because they are their own law. They are a law unto themselves. Base your Christianity on the Bible. For a lot of them, big stars, who is your sponsor? The sponsor is the one that tells them. I've seen children of God, pastor's children, deny things about Christianity because the, the agency is paying them. 
I don't even want to go too much. Well, people don't get me added, added up and down, up and down. But I'm just saying. And I'm like, are you aware this, this, this is, who are you representing with this thing? Instead of you to join that agency and be changing things within it, they are the ones telling you what to do, helping you deny your convictions. Did you hear of Nebuchadnezzar who built a, a huge statue, 90 feet tall, and said everybody in the land must bow down. And then there were people who had enough sense, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and said we will not bow. They said we would rather be cast into the furnace. Hmm. Has your conviction reached their own? But people do things, just, it's a quick picture, it's a quick this, it's a quick that. Hmm. We'll pay you so, so, so amount. And your eyes chasing numbers. Mm -hmm. You're not thinking eternity. Mm -hmm. You're not thinking what and even if it's not eternity, even if you say you repent tomorrow, because there's people that, that abuse grace like that. Mm -hmm. Even if you repent tomorrow, why is your heart so away from God in the moment? That's the question. See, they are dominated by the sinful nature. See the NET. It says for those who live according to the flesh have their outlook, the way they view life, shaped by the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit have their outlook shaped by the things of the Spirit. The message translation. That's very beautiful. Those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle but never get around to exercising it in real life. I'll take it again. Those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle they are a law unto themselves. They judge everything themselves. But never get around to exercising it in real life. Those who trust God's action in them find that, that God's spirit is in them. Living and breathing God. They are living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads out into the open, into a spacious free life. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Focusing on self, self gain, self, 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 me, me, me. I want to get ahead. I want to be here. I want to. Have you thought what's God's plan for me? Focusing on self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God. Ends up thinking more about self than God. That person ignores who God is and what he is doing. You says that person will never be relevant in God's plan. Mm. I'll tell you something about old servants. Remind me, old servants. And God isn't pleased at being ignored. Don't, don't you know that? He says when you're consumed with self, you think about yourself more than God, your gain, your salary, your everything. That person ignores who God is and what he is doing, his current plan, the end time mission. Mm. Huh. And God isn't pleased at being ignored. Who likes to be ignored? But some people ignore God. Some people ignore God. I said, I'll tell you about what? The old servant. Oh, would I be able to get this scripture for you? Let me see if I can get it for you. Mm. John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Let me show you. You need to see this. John chapter 12. Mm, from verse 25. He that loveth his life shall lose it. 
And he that hated his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If a man serve me, Jesus says, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. He says, if any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, then he may be also. It is possible to be a servant of God and be absent from where God is. Some people still lost in what God was doing then. They don't know what he's doing now. And that's what actually has come out with all that happened with COVID. We found some people that were too stuck in where they were. So when the revelation came about what was really going on in the world, they were not able to catch up. They were not able to join. They were too, ah, it's not possible that God could be talking about this, 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 this. And some people are still stuck behind it. Pastor announces, we are in post-COVID era. Some people have not moved past COVID. Mm-hmm. They're still working with masks. They're still, and you just wondering what's going on. Mm-hmm. Common sense is not common. That's not valid. He says, but if any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. That word serve there is actually to wait on. Mm-hmm. So he says, if any man waits upon me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. See, if you wait on me, you'll be where I am. That's what he says. Mm-hmm. You move with me. Let's see that verse again. Romans chapter 8, one more time. There's a last, a last version of that I would like to read to you. And it's the Passion Translation. He says, those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the spirit, this is what grace is, the impulses of the spirit. Mm-hmm. You get to a certain thing and it moves you a different way. It says, no, that's not mm-hmm. the perfect plan. That's not the perfect plan. You see some things, it's called a flicky deal. A flicky deal. It's like this. And you can tell in your spirit. He says, those who are motivated by the flesh are not moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. He says, those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. That's what I want you to catch. Motivated to pursue spiritual realities. What is possible with God? What is God's desire? Spiritual realities. God says you can have a life. He tells me so often. You can have such a life of power. You can have such a life of value. You can produce way more value than you're producing now. So I'm always pursuing spiritual realities. My next level in God. He says, people that are obsessed with themselves, obsessed with this earth, obsessed with earthly gratification, they would never be thinking about these kind of things. Mm-hmm. Some people are thinking, what is the next level in God? These ones haven't even started. They're still here. Pursue spiritual realities. Spiritual realities. Brits, you can be more successful. Brits, you can manage your time there. Jay, you can do more. Jay, you can win 50 souls this month. Mm-hmm. Again, some people never hear that from God. All they, in fact, they never even hear from God. All they have is God hearing from them. God, my rents. God, my this. God, my that. God, my. Does God set goals for you for the year? Does He tell you? I want you to achieve this, 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 this. Things to think about. So such people who are indebted to the Spirit, they are concerned with his gospel. Proverbs 11.30, it says, He that wins souls is wise. They are concerned about soul winning. Soul winning. Soul winning is important. Soul winning is not getting somebody to just say a prayer of salvation. Mm-hmm. 
Your soul is, is the quality of your person. Okay, who agrees that I'm a good person? When if I'm a good person, it means I have a good soul. When we say soul winning, it means to convert that person. It's not just the prayer of salvation, but actually to grow that person's character so that they can now be a godlike soul. Do you understand? Mm. That's what soul winning is. You changed the person. So their outlook is different. Their approach to life is different. Mm. That's what soul winning is. So he that wins souls is wise. It's like he that converts destinies is wise. He that changes people is wise. See, they work on people. My favorite thing to do is to build people, to see people win. Because that person is wise. You, you know, some people are asking God for wisdom. He's telling you what, uh, he's telling you what wisdom is. You understand? Wisdom is changing people. Wisdom is helping people. That's wisdom. Don't think some invisible thing. Wisdom. No, he that wins souls is wise. So if you find yourself winning souls, if you find yourself helping people, you find yourself influencing people about Jesus Christ, he says you are wise. Mm. You're a wise person. That's how you, you be wise in the eyes of God. Imagine being wise amongst men and in front of God. Before God, you're a fool in reality. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Reality. Yeah. So, mm. Mm. okay. So, he that wins souls is wise. They're thinking of how to prosper for God. How to prosper for God. I like this. I like this part because this is my mentality. Mm -hmm. Zechariah chapter 1. Zechariah chapter 1. Verse 17. It says, Cry yet, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, My cities through prosperity shall yet be spread abroad. And the Lord shall yet comfort Zion and shall yet choose Jerusalem. But look at this. He says, My cities... My building, the thing I'm working on, through prosperity, will spread abroad. What it means is that the more we prosper, the more God prospers. Mm -hmm. His message prospers. Mm -hmm. So when I say that, people who are indebted to God, mm -hmm. they are thinking about to prosper for God. They are thinking, mm -hmm. how much bigger can I be mm -hmm. so that my seed to God will be better? Mm -hmm. This is not even a message to get people to give, mm -hmm. to give more of. No, no, no. I'm telling you how I think. I tell God, Lord, in a year, I want to be able to give you like 3 million pounds. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking, how do I increase so that I can give him more? Mm -hmm. When you think like that, that's when God now starts to channel things your way. Mm -hmm. But when he knows that if you receive a million, all you're thinking about, <laughs> I want to cop a house in the Bahamas. <laughs> I want to, God is not serious to do business with you. You may be able to succeed, but that's where the issue is. We have too many people that are kings, but not priests. But the calling came at the same time. Revelation chapter 1 verse 6 says that he has made us kings and priests unto him. There are many people, you see the priest's business is in the temple. Everything in the temple, everything sacrificed to God. While the king is about dominion, authority, speaking, helping. Do you understand? So there are many people that are kings but they are not priests. They are reigning in life but they are not concerned with the kingdom. So some people cut out on the priestly duty just to fulfill the king part. Romans chapter 5, you know the scripture a lot, and it just says, they which receive abundance of grace shall reign in life. Mm -hmm. Right? Who, who reigns? Or who are good reign? Kings. Mm -hmm. Right? So it means to prosper in life. So many people prosper, but they don't, but they ignore the priestly side. Sponsoring the house of God. Helping in the house of God. 
But he's saying that when you want to seek success, mm -hmm. seek the kind of success that God also shares in. Mm -hmm. So I'm always thinking, how do I prosper for God to benefit? Oh, okay, can I build this brand? And when, when I build this brand, when they're asking me in that interview, I'll be able to say, Jesus Christ is the one that helped me. That's how, that's how I'm feeling. Because indeed, they say, what's the secret to your success? Oh, I spend time with God. When I still, I come and deliver the ideas with the PR team, I come and deliver the ideas with my leaders, and then we move forward with it. That's how God gets glory. It's called seeking prosperity for God. So they're thinking of how to prosper for God. See, so if so, the question is, what inspires your success? A celebrity, a person, a famous figure. Do you inspire your own success? You just imagine walking fancy, you know, you know. Or does God inspire your success? Does Jesus inspire your success? One thing to never do is to envy the world's success or the world's riches. Instead, be big for God. Be big for God. Okay? Fill yourself with the Spirit. What do these people look like? Galatians chapter 6, from verse 1. Scripture, scripture, scripture. Is somebody learning something? I'm not. Galatians chapter 6, from verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. He says, if somebody is in a mistake, Restore him. Help him to get back in the way or her. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is to bear one another's burdens. Okay? For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that he shall also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh, shall of the flesh reap corruption, decay. But he that soweth to the Spirit, shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. He says, let us not be weary in well-doing. How I love this scripture. Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we think not. The scripture is teaching us consistency. See? So as we have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them of the household of faith. How important is the church to God? He says, sow to the Spirit. How do you sow to the Spirit? By being relevant in church. How do you sow to the Spirit? By sowing to your own spirit in reading the Bible, in studying the Bible, in praying, and also in living out the Bible. You are sowing to the Spirit, strengthening your spirit by making confessions of what God calls you. You're sold to this. But he says, if you sold the flesh, every time moving, 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 music, 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 party, 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 party. He says, of the flesh, you will reap corruption. He says, your life will be decaying. It'll be going down. Mm -hmm. But if you sold to the spirit, you reap mm -hmm. life everlasting. He's telling us something. So he says, let us not be weary in well-doing. There's certain times where you really don't want to do something. Mm -hmm. For example, if you live with people, sometimes someone may leave a plate. I have to be very rough. You leave a plate with water washed. You may have been talking about it for a while. Why are you trying to teach them a lesson as to, okay, they should learn to wash up and they should learn to this? It's not a crime if you decide to wash it up in the name of Jesus or mm. in the name of God. Mm. Yeah. Mm. There are times like that. 
I could, I could genuinely, I would just be like, Lord, the scripture says, don't be weary in well-doing. Mm -hmm. You finish eating, I know this, another person has a plate. Go and collect theirs. Don't be weary. He says, don't get tired of doing good. That's what the scripture is telling you. Don't be tired of it. So that's how I live my Christian life. I just remind myself of the scripture. I say, don't be weary in well-doing. I just, you know, just find yourself doing good things. He says, don't be weary. He says, keep doing, keep sowing like that. Mm. That in due season, you will reap if we faint not. We'll reap if we faint not. So as we have opportunity, let us do good to everybody, especially unto those of the household of faith. Especially unto those of the household of faith. So to reflect indebtedness, we must live and walk in the spirit. Galatians 5.16, it tells us that if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Okay? says that if we walk in the spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's what Galatians 5.16 tells us. It tells us that, yes, this I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So this is part of it. Number one way about living in this indebtedness, I'm about to close. Study his word and be filled with the spirit. Why? John 6.63, Jesus tells us something. He says, the words that I speak unto you are spirit and they are life. They are spirit and they are life. So how do you get filled with the Spirit? One of the things is by reading the Word of God. You're filling yourself with the Spirit. Ephesians 5, 18, contemplating those same scriptures. Ephesians 5, 18 tells us, Don't be drunk with wine, where is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourself in psalms of the scriptures, hymns and spiritual songs, songs in other tongues. All right? Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks is another way to be filled with the Spirit. That's verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Seek submission. Humility. It's one of the ways to be filled with the Spirit. You know, some people just, just pray, pray, pray. No humility. Mm -hmm. It's one of the ways, okay? In the fear of the Lord. So that's one thing. Study his word. The second is to pray the word of God. Right? And keenly, importantly, in being filled with the spirit. He says, don't be drunk with wine. Where is excess? What happens when you're drunk with wine? You're controlled by it. Mm -hmm. You're controlled by its influence. Mm -hmm. So he says, if you're filled with the spirit, you'll be controlled by his influence. Mm -hmm. Do you understand? It'll work the same way. Mm -hmm. So that means you're going to live in debt to him. You'll be predisposed. When you're drunk, you're predisposed to foolishness. <laughs> You're predisposed to doing the wrong thing. <laughs> you understand? You walk and you bump and you slump and then you break your incisors. You understand? But when you're filled with the Spirit, you're predisposed to the right things. You're predisposed to love. Predisposed to forgiveness when you're filled with the Spirit. So pray the word, not selfish prayer points. Handle God's own, then it will help yours. Mm. Consult the supernatural for what means the supernatural. Most times, people don't need, don't need anything but to be healthier, to gain more wisdom from the Word, or get trained, or even go to school. For some people, school is the miracle that they need, and they keep praying, 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 praying. Hmm? Training, maybe they need to sign up for a course. So I said, consult the supernatural for what really needs the supernatural. Salvation. Why? Because people don't just believe. Jesus said that there's nobody that comes to me except the Holy Spirit draws them. Shannon was talking about how she had been inviting and inviting and inviting and inviting and they didn't go through. Now that they finally come, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm. He draws them. 
He draws them. Why do I have so much faith in prayer? I'll show you the scripture one of these days. But it talks about, I believe it was Nehemiah, and he was praying concerning the sins of the people, and none of them were serving God. And the Bible says he prayed and prayed and wept in a temple. And the whole city, all the children, they came out just at his weeping. He's crying. It's not like they can hear him, but there, there was a pool towards that area. There was a pool towards that area. And they were all repenting of their sins and changed from what they were doing. My point is that there is a lot of growth that will come through prayer. So we have to keep praying as much every opportunity we can have. We can have. And I, I, was, I was saying this recently. Don't just wait for prayer sessions to pray. Mm -hmm. Learn to pray and study. When the last days, you need as much of the Spirit as you can. Pray and study. Pray and, and go through life. As you want, pray. Go on prayer walk. Don't just go out. You say you need a walk and don't go. Nothing. Just go No. Go. This city will be saved. Let them look at the sky. Salvation, salvation, angels, angels. That's how it should be. As you're praying, don't listen, listen, listen. You speak. Give to your world. Give to your world. Give life to your world. Give life to your world. People have never had talking sessions. This is how, you know, pray the word. Pray the word. First Timothy chapter 2, from verse 1 to 4. We read it all the time. I exhort therefore that first of all, prayer, supplication, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all those who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved. All men. There's nobody he's given up on. All men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God. What is the truth? He says, There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. He says that the proof that Jesus Christ died for everybody will be testified soon, will know soon whether it was true. So pray the word of God. Pray the word of God. And then the third thing is to live and be conscious of the word. James chapter 1. More we're doing this brilliant timing. James chapter 1, verse 22. Live and be conscious of the word. He says, But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man who beholds his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and immediately forgets who he was. He says, When you look into the word of God, there's a picture that you see. There's a Britney that you see. There's an Annette that you see. That there's a defect that you see. Right? And it says that if you now turn away from the word, Bible says session over, and you go and live life, and you start living life, mm -hmm. absolutely in. Mm -hmm. He says that you are like that one that has looked in the mirror and forgot that they were bright, beautiful, white. Mm. And then you just left that picture and went to go and do the analysis. Mm. They gave you the script and you went scriptless. Mm. Okay. Good. Oh. Mm -hmm. okay. So, but whoso look at into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, that lives on that scripture, he, being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this man shall be blessed. He said, God bless me, bless me. Stop praying. Act it out. He said that if you read something here, he says, pray without ceasing. And you now go and you start to pray without ceasing. He says, that is where the blessing is. Mm. So don't pray for blessing, just do it. Mm -hmm. He says, this man shall be blessed. Every time you do the word of God, you're blessed. To be blessed means to be empowered to prosper. It means there's an invocation of something from God that moves you to the next level. Simple. So just do the scriptures. So I said, study his word. 
to be indebted to him. When you study his word and you're filled with the spirit, you will be thinking about his plan all the time. You think about what he wants to do. Whatever you give your mind, it will continually ponder on. Okay, the next thing is pray the word of God. Don't pray selfish prayer points. You're indebted to the spirit, meaning you're indebted to his plan. Three, live and be conscious of the word. And I just showed you that scripture. Okay, so he will help us. He will help us. I'll read you Hebrews chapter 2. Just two more scriptures, I believe. Hebrews chapter 2. Somewhat two. Somewhat two scriptures. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. He says, God will not give you less. If he's blessing you, he will bless you well. If mm -hmm. he's also punishing you, he will punish you well. Mm -hmm. Now, he says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? God also bearing them witness with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his will. For unto the angels hath he not put in subjection to the world, but one in a certain place specified or testified, what is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou art setting? I'm going to do a Holy Ghost job to... I wonder how much I'm reading. Yeah. He says, but we see Jesus, that's verse 9, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that by the grace of God he should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom, all, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect. For he that sanctified, and they who are sanctified are all one, hallelujah. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Don't you love it? He that sanctifies, and those who are called sanctified are all one. For which cause, for this reason, he is not ashamed to call us brethren, to call us sisters. Saying, I will declare thy name unto thy brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold I and the children which God gives. Okay? For verily, he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things, it behaved him, it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of people. For in that he, he himself had suffered being tempted, he is also able to help those that are tempted. He says, because he suffered, he is also able to help those who are, who are suffering, who are tempted, who are going through challenges. Okay? Second Peter, that's another long question, but let me see if I can summarize that for you. Second Peter chapter 3, from verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but he is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. The day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are inside of it, shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? He says, seeing that this whole earth, everything is going to be destroyed. Hmm? The house that you want to build, that nice one, that nice duplex, that mansion, that's it. So it's all going to be burned up. So what kind of person are you going to be? What kind of person should we be? Looking for, yeah, yeah, looking for and hasting onto the coming of the day of God, 
Where the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that we look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. And account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul. So Peter read about Paul. Isn't that interesting? Even as our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given unto him, has written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood. So Peter is saying that Paul's writings actually hard to understand. Isn't it interesting to just see that, you know, how they read and they are really commenting? You know, people don't think, sometimes people think the Bible is so mysterious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're talking like actual people writing letters. Hmm? You see, some things are hard to understand in Paul's writings, <laughs> which they are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also other, other, in other scriptures, the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before the time, seeing he's telling you about all the judgments and stuff, beware, lest you also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. He's being led away by bad friends, being led away from those who are mm-hmm. not living right, fall in your own continuity with God. He says, but grow in grace, grow in the influence of God in your life, hmm? and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. That's what he says. So it's very simple, and it's a choice. Consistency is a daily choice. It's a daily choice. When we do this, we will not fall into sin, into error. We will not be sick, which is the reward for sickness, I mean for sin. We will not die, because, you know, sickness leads to death. But we truly will be alive to God and dead to sin. That's Romans 6, 8 to 12. It says, he that has died, you know, Christ who has died, dieth no more. Death doesn't have dominion over him. Okay? So we're just going to enter into a small session of prayer now. Alright? Five ten minutes. Alright? And I want you to pray. And allow the Spirit of God to go on your mind. Romans chapter 8, verse 26, 27. That truly, truly is the last scripture I'm going to take. Okay? Romans chapter 8. Verse 26 to 27. In the Amplified Classic, it tells us, So too, the Holy Spirit comes to our aid and bears us up in our weakness. For we do not know what prayer to offer, nor how to offer it worthily as we ought. But the Spirit himself goes to meet our supplication and pleads in our behalf, with unspeakable yearnings and groanings, too deep for utterance. And he who searches the hearts of men knows what is the mind of the Spirit what his intent is, because the Spirit intercedes and pleads before God in behalf of the saints, according to and in harmony with God's will. See, how do I pray God's will? By praying in the Spirit. The CJB, Common Jewish Bible, Complete Jewish Bible, it says, similarly, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we don't know how to pray the way we should, but the Spirit himself pleads on our behalf with groanings too deep for words. And the one who searches the hearts, knows exactly what the Spirit is thinking because his feelings for God's people accord with God's will. So I'm just going to pray now, okay? And as you pray, just give your mind over to him. Indebtedness to the Spirit means that, Lord, you are enough. The Lord simply is enough. There's not always prayer point. There's not always something to focus on. Sometimes it's just him. He says he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. Your mind is stayed on God. Stay on God. He'll keep you in perfect peace. Okay? 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. So feel free to give an offering. These slides are wonderful, man. Well done. Give an offering to the Lord and just thank Him for His grace. I was going to launch the website for you today. I'll show you, but I said I'll do it next week. 
because it is ready. You have to pay for it, you don't have to pay all. So, so now if you build get there, create your account, you need other books. The new book is dropping soon. Oh. Um, you be able to, you know, see all that's happening. So things are happening. We've been working. I'm only going to work harder. When we're going to work harder and consistently. I pray that everything that you are working towards, every single one of you, that you're working towards, that you're putting your mind to, is blessed in the name of Jesus. And you prosper in that thing that you're doing. May his grace be manifested there. I see somebody coming with a very, very big testimony very, very soon. A very big testimony. Very, very soon. A very big testimony. Regarding something you're working towards. Something you're working towards. Somebody's coming with a very, very big testimony. A resounding testimony. A resounding testimony. A very big testimony. Lord will lead you specially. Lord will lead you specially. And His grace will be manifested. A big promotion. Something big. Something's about to shift for somebody. Something's about to shift for somebody. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, yes, we keep it moving, keep working. And we'll definitely see by next week what next the Spirit has for us. But we're about to check out how they're still connected, right? Yeah. Uh, cool. So let's take the grace. With the, the grace, grace of our Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ, the love of God, God and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit, Spirit is with us now forevermore. and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Surely God's goodness and mercy follows us all the days of our lives as we dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory. Glory.